Welcome to the Marketing Boost Solutions Podcast. Join host Marco Torres, co-founder of MarketingBoost.com, internet ninja marketer Christian D. Evans, along with expert guests as they deliver incredible proven solutions to your marketing challenges in each power-packed episode. Captain Marco has guided thousands of entrepreneurs, growing their sales and marketing through the use of value-add incentives. His Facebook groups are home to more than 84,000 entrepreneurs who are raking in sales with his advice. Get ready to be blown away with game-changing lessons for your business. Folks, welcome to Marketing Boost Solutions podcast. Uh, I'm thrilled to come with you today with another episode and an incredible guest that we have today, Mr. Steve Harper. He's a serial entrepreneur, uh, been in business now for quite some time. He has multiple software companies that he currently runs and a company called The Ripple Effect. It's a business coaching uh, platform. And so we're going to talk to uh, Steve Harper today on how to be successful, a little bit about his, his success story and hear how he helps businesses with his softwares and what have you. Steve, say hello. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Wonderful. Thanks again for taking the time to join us. And I think both of us are dealing with a hot uh, office today. My air conditioner <laughs> went out, yours as well. So if you happen to be watching this on video, you're going to see us sweating here. And it's <laughs> so for some odd reason, your your office is warm, and my air conditioner is having troubles today. But we're we are heated up for yeah, the show yeah. today. Guys. Well, we we were just fired up, ready for this uh, this show. So I mean, we we were just <laughs> just getting ready to go. So I mean, that's uh, you know we'll you know we'll 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 just take it as it goes, right? Exactly. So, Steve, tell us a bit about your business and uh, how you got started. Well, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was uh, 22, and I have, uh, uh, you know, originally started in the office equipment business and was very successful in that, sold a company in 2004 and actually started the Ripple Effect, which was actually a relationship consulting business, really helping people understand how to identify, develop, and grow the key relationships that they depend on for their success. And so I do that for individuals. I do it for corporations. I wrote a book called The Ripple Effect, Maximizing the Power of Relationships for Your Life and Business. And it was um, or has been a passion of mine because I think so many people uh, fail to understand the importance of building relationships the correct way, right? Especially for entrepreneurs that are trying to grow and scale their business. How you develop those relationships is super critical to your future success. And so I, uh, I'm very passionate about the concept of, of you know, exactly what most people think of when they think about the ripple, which is, you know, uh, you know, every action you take has a natural reaction. So you, you create opportunities to, you know, do good work out there, create opportunities for your clients and your prospects. And people remember you because of that. And much of your success can come from those kinds of, uh, those kinds of interactions. How about that? You know, that in my, in my career, uh, I started at age nine with a paper wrap and yep. uh, over generated over a billion dollars to date for my clients or my own businesses overall. And leveraging relationships has always been, I've never really analyzed it like that or, or, or taken a step back and looked at how did I develop those relationships or what did I do to create that, that ripple effect as you refer to. But I definitely know in, in my experience, I've almost always had business partners Ever since I had, you know, the restaurants, by the time I was 23, I owned five restaurants and a nightclub. 
I went on to uh, with the nightclub. I had a different partner. He and I would split the workload 50-50 and give each other days off. And so partnerships always was always, a, for me, a smart way to go about it, you know, leveraging yep. relationships because that allowed uh, me to uh, conquer and divide. In other words, we'd split up, you know, uh, and surround myself with people that were smarter than me in different areas that I might have lacked, lacked in. And together we would, you know, build a business. So- um, Absolutely. I call I call those dance partners. You find people that do the skills or bring skills and experience that you don't have and you let them do what they do really well and you focus on what you do really well and you're very clear about it. I've seen a lot of partnerships not go well because you you know one one of the two partners or somebody in a partnership group thinks they're doing more work than the other person and a lot of times those things break apart. I do a lot of coaching with business partnerships because a lot of challenges run into the fact that they they really haven't set those clear lines of expectation. They haven't divvied up those responsibilities. Sounds like you were really excellent at doing that. But I think it's it's important that everybody understands what their their role is, right? Set those rules of engagement. And it's really, especially for business partnerships, because in a lot of ways, it's, uh, it's a lot more, you know, even more intimate in some cases than a marriage, right? You know, when you go into work, you know, into business for uh, yourself with another party, it can be a very amazing experience, or it can be a very uh, uncomfortable experience. And it all depends on how you set the rules. No, no doubt that it can be very taxing once the relationship starts to come apart, just like a marriage, um, when it starts to come apart, because you feel that, you know, one party is not is not, not holding their weight, not pulling their weight, or, yep. or what have you. So it, uh, Setting those, and how do you coach people to set those expectations? Then is that is that part of what you teach in your in your platform or in your book? Yeah, you know. So what we do is we actually sit down with organizations and really understand where the challenges are. If it, if if it happens to be a partnership situation, a lot of times people will bring me in because they, you know, they have kind of lost that loving feeling, if you will, right? In a lot of ways, they kind of forgot what uh, why they went into business together, what the intentions were. And sort of resetting those expectations and helping them reconnect with what it was that first got them interested in the idea, the product or the service. And then really trying to get through some of the challenges that maybe they're experiencing. A lot of times it takes a third party to come in and, and get some of the uh, the you know, the frustrations out, you know, by having a conversation and a dialogue. And I always tell partnerships, you know, the, the reality is, is well, once people start to have resentments, I always define resentment as the super secret promise of revenge, right? You know, and I may not get you today, I may not get you tomorrow, but I'll get you eventually. And when you start holding grudges like that, especially in a situation where you're in a business where you're supposed to be, you know, treating each other with dignity and respect and your team and, you know, in a lot of cases, your clients and your prospects are seeing, you know, how you treat one another, how the business is functioning as a, as a core baseline for sort of the success health of that organization. Having a good partnership, uh, you know, is critical. And when it doesn't work, or you're not talking about these issues that are preventing you guys from moving forward, um, that's where the challenges really start to bubble up. And that's where you know, people start to have those resentments. They start to undercut each other. They start to, uh, you know, create you know, factions within the business, which has no positive effect whatsoever. And uh, the business stalls because of it. And so it really can 
spoil the culture of an organization really quickly. And it doesn't matter how big the organization is or how small it is. Uh, it, it, uh, that, that level of discontent really does seep everywhere within the organization. And no, that's, that's very true. Um, so one of the things you do is, is consulting, I guess on this, you're kind of like a marriage counselor in the business world. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's one aspect of what I do. I work with a lot of startup companies to help them make sure that they're building the culture correctly. And I'm, I'm a relationship guy. That's my strength. That's where I love spending my time. And if you think about any issue that comes up in business, almost always, it has at some core level, something to do with how we connect and relate to one another, right? Whether we're trying to grow and foster trust with a prospect for them to do business with us, whether it's the customer that you know we need to deal with and how we handle them when they have problems or issues or questions, our customer service approach and that attitude that we have within our organization, all the way to our, our vendors and our partners. And like, like we just talked about, you know, even our internal management relationships, everything comes down to the function of people. And right. And a lot of organizations don't have a, a process or an approach for rules of engagement. And I think that's a really good place to start for most companies, which is what, what are our expectations? How are we treating one another internally? How are we treating those external relationships? How do people view us? Is our brand consistent with what we say and what we do? And all of those things come down to the execution. And a lot of that is how we connect and relate to one another. It's time to wow, surprise, and impress your clients with the most powerful customer draw card available anywhere. The Marketing Boost Solution Show is brought to you by Marketing Boost, where you can get valuable travel and restaurant incentives to drive your leads from prospects to paying customers. Now you can offer complimentary hotel stays in over 130 destinations worldwide. Go to marketingboostsolutions.com and try it for free right now. You know, building software companies and, you know, hiring the people to do that. Give us a little bit of history on, on that. The two software companies that you've built, who's your target audience for those softwares and, and uh, what made, you know, how'd you come up with that idea? To <laughs> well, I'd like to take credit that I came up with it, but I didn't. I just kind of found myself in a very lucky position. I was actually consulting for a company that uh, one of the founders of an organization that I was doing some work with asked me to come in. One of my strengths is to uh, sit in a meeting and read the room and see how people uh, treat one another, how people are responding to how, you know, what's being shared and what's being put on the table in terms of conversation. And he had an opportunity to uh, expand upon a product that he had built it for an in-house tool for a company. And it, it's a product, it's a project management software that focuses on the construction industry. And the reality was he and the founder of the other company just did not get along. They did not, uh, they didn't treat each other with much dignity and respect. And really at the end of the day, they both had an interest in taking the product to the next level, maybe taking it outside from an in-house project management software to a market and building it because there was a need without question, but um, egos were at play, right? And a lot of times that's the, you know, that's the kiss of death for a lot of, um, you know, you know, blossoming relationships is that once the ego gets in play and people think they're smarter than the other person or the other party, um, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. And so we actually came to the table. I had to, you know, sort of reset the expectations of what everybody's ultimate outcome was. And that's to get a product out, potentially make some money and see where the, you know, where the product could be out in the, in, in the marketplace as a freestanding product. 
and we went to work together collectively. Everybody was, you know, super friendly at the front end. Uh, I went into that meeting trying to be sort of the, the buffer, if you will. But I, I really didn't expect to actually be in the software business, but I found that I had a real knack for it. And I really liked it, mainly because our software is built for commercial construction. And it's really built with the owner in mind. So think about a school district or a university or, or municipality, anybody that has responsibility for building, renovating, you know, maintaining some uh, large structure. And one of the things that we did around this software was sort of streamline the communication process, right? So very much like what I do with the Ripple, the reason it was attractive to me was I saw all these fiefdoms, right? All these silos and you know, all these people that were hold, holding on to information or not freely knowledge sharing. There was not a lot of uh, transparency and accountability relative to how interactions were happening. And so the thing that attracted me to the software product was it gave everybody a voice and it gave everybody a playbook from which to document, track and manage. And from there, I loved it, right? At the end of the day, going into project teams and saying, look, we can be more efficient if we're not looking at this relationship as adversarial or functioning from siloed information, but you know, streamlining the overall process. And so from there, um, the, the product started to take hold. We started to get some larger opportunities, but oftentimes in relationships, things that um, don't start off good ultimately don't end good. And so these two uh, partners that I had uh, really didn't see eye to eye. And so at some point, a divorce was, was uh, inevitable. So I bought out the partner that had the majority interest of the company. I had a vision for where we could take it and eventually ended up buying out that, uh, that other partner and carrying it forward. And so the company has continued to grow and expand. We work with you name it, we've probably done it. We've, you know, we've helped, uh, you know, build the addition stadium to Texas A&M's football. Uh, we worked on, you know, the Miami Dolphins stadium years ago. We've done a lot of school district business, universities, municipalities, healthcare, and almost every one of these client opportunities. I approach it not from the perspective of, hey, we have a great new software product that you need to use, but rather what's the biggest issue project teams end up running into, which is the lack of communication, the lack of clarity, the lack of accountability. So how do we set the stage so that we know what our rules of engagement are and how do we treat, you know, this um, project that's coming up with the amount of respect it deserves and give everybody the ability to communicate effectively and use data to make more informed decisions. And so from that, the product sort of evolved and has grown from there. And so I, I love doing what I do in that regard because it's allowed me to kind of put my ripple stamp of approval on virtually every project that we, you know, that we work on. My other software company is a planning tool that actually ironically came out of a conversation. Again, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that if you're successful in business, you build great relationships with your clients. It's just part of my ripple philosophy. And part of that is, you know, they tell you when things are broken, they tell you when they, you don't do something that they need, or they have these free conversations that say, look, I know you don't do this, but would you think about it? Because I trust and admire what you've done with this, this other company. So I had a school district that came to me and said, look, I need a platform that actually helps us do a better job of planning. You know, we've got a school bond that we're going to uh, put before the voters and we need data to be able to substantiate why we're asking for these big dollars. And it wasn't something we did in the initial company. You know, one company is Owner Insight. This other company is a product called Facility Insight. We built Facility Insight really because we listened to our client and, and there was a need. We validated the market. And again, why does this generally become a problem for 
organizations or for school districts is it comes down to trust and it comes down to communication. It comes down to having visibility and clarity in saying this is why we need what we need. And so that tool actually helps organize all their short-term and long-term needs and then allows them to have a platform to assess those needs in a way that allows you to communicate that to a school board or to your constituents and say, these are the reasons we need this. We have this population boom in this one area. We need to build a new school or we've reached, you know, or very close to reaching capacity on this other campus. So we need to add, you know, additional classrooms. We need to put on another wing. So these are so your clients, all factors. Your, your, your clients with that platform are typically government entities or? Uh... Yeah, most cases it's school districts for that, but we can work with anybody that has a large campus footprint. So we've had healthcare organizations use us, hospital systems, uh, municipalities that are working on multiple city-owned properties. So it's a real versatile product, but the main passion for me was trying to build it to solve the problem for schools. Wow. And then your ripple effect business, that is targeted to smaller individual entrepreneurs or tell us more about the uh, the ripple effect. Yeah, so, so that company does a lot of everything in between, right? At the end of the day, we work with uh, large institutions that, you know, want to have a better uh, internal employee culture. Everybody talks about employee engagement, but everybody's looking for that uh, sort of that next mousetrap to keep people engaged and in, involved at the company. But a lot of times, uh, you know, the kumbaya kind of approach where we get together once a quarter or you know, once a year for an all hands meeting just doesn't work anymore, right? You know, you have to have a vested interest. So I teach leadership from the top down, how to get out and get out from behind the desk and connect with their people, how to get to know what motivates and inspires those people to be a part of that organization and really how to identify within their own teams those superstars of tomorrow, right? People that might be in one role, but are, are really, you know, potentially suited for, you know, more advanced capabilities within the organization. And so trying to bring that kind of philosophy to the table. And so I work with, you know, individual startup companies all the way up to, I've done work with uh, Amex, I've done work with Dell, I've done work at Apple, a lot of organizations that have, you know, people problems, you know, are these big companies, right? You know, you get so uh, focused on moving the needle a lot of times that, you know, realizing those people that you depend on for your success, uh, they need attention too. And so I love that aspect. The other thing that I'm really <clears throat> super passionate about is working with those organizations to help them understand the importance of building the right kinds of relationships with their customers. You know, if you do it right, your customers become your default sales force, right? You know, they become your evangelists for your products and your services. And so I help organizations understand who are my top customers? What do they really think? What problems do they have that they may not be talking to us about? And then what are their frustrations and where are our potential blind spots that a competitor can get, you know, their, you know, get their foot in the door with those customers. And you really want to uh, ensure that you have a high commitment to customer retention. And part of that comes down to not treating your customers as a number, building relationships, not just with the top decision maker, but anybody and everybody that touches anything your organization has to do with that company. So that's a core passion of mine. A lot of that involves, um, you know, quite honestly, uh, Marco is, is a lot of, you know, intensive coaching with the leadership teams, working with and understanding some of the challenges that nobody's really putting out on the table and helping understand, you know, where the culture is today, what the attitude about building those connections and the relationships the right way is, and then figuring out a strategy that makes sense that has a positive ROI. 
Great. Let's take a, a commercial break here now from our sponsors at Marketing Boost Solutions, and we'll be right back. Is your business on autopilot yet? Do you have automation in place to capture, nurture, and convert prospects into clients via email, SMS, ringless voicemails, appointment setting? Get all the inbound and outbound marketing tools in one place. Go to marketingboostsolutions.com for more on automating your business so you can make money while you sleep. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Steve Harper the serial entrepreneur talking to us about the ripple effect. And that was the book you wrote, right? What, that, what was the title of the book again? Yeah, it's called The Ripple Effect, Maximizing the Power of Relationships for Your Life and Business. Now it's in its third edition. So uh, available now. <laughs> available now. Awesome. And where can we find that? Where can anybody find that book? Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on, it's on Amazon. It's on Audible. Um, you know, I, you know, if my voice doesn't turn anybody off, then I, I did the, uh, you know, the, uh, the narration of it. I had a blast doing it. I produced the book and got it up there. And I really enjoyed it. It's been a, it's been very surprising to see how it's gone and, and what it's done uh, on all those platforms. And they can, of course, get it off my website at ripplecentral.com. If they get it from our website, they often, uh, they can get an autographed copy or it can get personalized if they give us a notice to what they want us to, to say. I, I love signing those. I love seeing where the books go and what kind of uh, intent behind ordering the book, you know, there is so that I can maybe add some additional value to the book, you know, when I start connecting with those clients. Great. We'll post the link at the bottom here of the show. That's the ripplecentral.com. Yep. Ripplecentral.com. Wonderful. And uh, Steve, how did you, uh, what motivated you to write the book in the first place? I mean, I've always, uh, I'm one that's always wanted to write a book. I haven't done that yet. It uh, <laughs> seems like it would be a tremendous amount of work. Did you put it all together yourself or did you get a ghostwriter to help? What's part of the process with that? Now, I just found a really good editor that believed in the vision and helped me sort of organize this. It, it didn't start off to be the ripple effect, to be honest with you. It, it, uh, I had sold a company in 2004, and much to my surprise, this is well before I started doing consulting, um, I had a couple of my current clients that uh, came back to us and said, Steve, I love your approach on your, how you built your sales you know, efforts, how you focused on customer satisfaction and just the, the, the commitment that you had to really, you know, finding ways to contribute, whether it was directly related to the product or service you were offering or not. And so I had a financial services company and a law firm that approached me literally day, the day after I sold the company and said, would you come in and teach us? And I, uh, the little known fact about me is I'm introverted and shy. So never expected anybody one to want me to come talk to their team. And I was scared uh, beyond belief to do so. But one thing I was, was passionate uh, about, you know, the approach that we took in terms of building relationships. And to me, I didn't feel like that there was a whole lot of rocket science to it. So I'm like, sure, I can go share a few thoughts, but I didn't expect it to evolve beyond that. And what I actually found was these organizations had business development people, they had, you know, a sales organization, and, you know, what I have often found with most, you know, services that I've used is when I feel like I'm being sold, it just feels icky, doesn't feel good. I don't feel comfortable about investing my dollars with, you know, a company that's going to treat me like a number because you can see a preview of coming attractions if there's a problem, right? So what I did was I talked to both of these organizations, obviously separately, but I, I said, you know, I, I personally have a perspective of sales and business development. Uh, that's a little bit different and a little outside of what most people think about. Sales people have to sell 
and always have to go hunt and kill something else in order to bring business in because that's what they do is they look at um, and try and get a close as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are some businesses that thrive on that. But I said the difference between that and a sales professional is a sales professional actually solves problems. They don't look at that person as a transaction. They look at them as a relationship. And if you do the relationship part, building part correctly, you will get someone there within that organization that becomes your champion. Not only does it insulate you from competition, but you really want those people sitting at a cocktail you know, party or a happy hour and somebody has a similar need to what you have and them saying, I've got a guy or I've got a gal that you need to talk to. And the reality is that I built most of my business, at least up to that point, uh, when I had the uh, soft or the technology company, the office equipment technology company was um, most of that came from word of mouth referral. And it was because uh, people knew that if they called me and even if I couldn't solve their problem, Steve would know somebody who did. And so from that, I was able to build these great, uh, really profitable relationships. And so the book came about really after doing several consulting engagements and realizing people just had the sales game all wrong. And so I started to write a book about sales to help people, either those that were new to the industry understand the importance of building the relationship from the very first call and beyond, or people that have been in the sales game and hadn't found the success that they had been looking for that wanted to remake their career. And really at the end of the day, it started to evolve. The stories that we wanted to include, the examples that we wanted to include, it really went beyond um, just the sales effort. It went into customer service. It went into business leadership. And it, it was very, uh, broad in terms of the approach that we took in terms of how or where it is uh, from a business application perspective, as well as an individual's perspective. And so my editor at the time and said, you know, what made you successful as an, as a business owner? You know, you, you've been doing this for a long time. You've had two companies. And I said, you know, look, I just tried to keep my eyes uh, open and my ears tuned for opportunities that benefited anybody that I came in contact with, whether they were a customer or not. And if I could understand more importantly, what their needs were or what they might need help with, chances are that I might come across somebody who could aid or give them you know, guidance or direction or, or help them in some capacity. And I would get credit because of that, because I would make the connection between you know, a need and someone that could solve that problem. And uh, I said, you know, business kind of flowed back to me. I said, it's very much like the ripple effect. You cast that rock in that crystal clear pond, that rocks your action. You have no idea how deep that goes. But those ripples, they go wide, right? They ripple out, but they almost always ripple back to you, sometimes in ways that you can't imagine. And he's like, that's what you are. You're the ripple man. I mean, you are the guy that, you know, that is 100% how people look at you. And so I really hadn't put that nomenclature to it at that point. But then I was like, you know, this philosophy is exactly how I am as an entrepreneur. It's exactly the way that I grew my businesses. It's why I sold my company for more money than I ever expected at that time. And I was able to grow a business that was not only successful, but I enjoyed doing it. And so the book came about there. Um, and then from there, I kind of assumed I would sell a couple hundred copies. My dad would buy the rest of the inventory and that would be the end of the story. But the reality was uh, it just got, it was the little engine that could and it just kept going. And so it's used in several major universities as a textbook for uh, several um, business and entrepreneur classes. It's uh, made its hands into, um, uh, you know, into, you know, into the hands of people that I never expected it would ever get to. And 
I have, uh, I can't tell you how many amazing doors of opportunity it's opened up to and including leading me down the software path. Wow. I've, uh, I've got to get my hands on that book. I have not read it, unfortunately, myself, so I can't brag on that yet. But it reminds me of one of my early influencers was, uh, I'm old school, so Zig Ziglar was a, yeah. a big uh, influence on my life early on with, you know, essentially the idea of, uh, of if you help enough other people get what they want in life, you know, his essential uh, paraphrasing Zig Ziglar, if you help enough other people get what they want in life, you'll get everything you want as well. And That's I've absolutely lived my, right. my whole life based on on that. In other words, building business relationships was always a big part of it and doing it based on not just trying to close a sale, because if it wasn't going to benefit the client, if it really wasn't solving the solution, then closing the sale to benefit me was not the, the was not the right answer. So yep. you you know you literally had to do what was right by your client and it would ripple effect, bring it back yeah. around to to you in the end. Uh, that's yeah, the, the thing you say about Zig, I mean, I was a, I was a huge fan. That was uh, actually one of the first tape programs I bought when I got into business because I was such a, uh, I was a sponge for any of the motivational, um, you know, targeted focus, you know, efforts that you needed to be. And he was, he was clearly one of the top sales guys ever. Right. And I remember him telling a story about one of the, um, guys that was in Dallas that had sold him all his Cadillacs, right? And he said, you know, that guy stayed with the same dealership for his entire career. And he looked at not selling you one Cadillac. He looked at selling you many Cadillacs over your lifetime. And that thing was never lost on me. And that, you know, that relationships matter, how you go about and build that, you know, connection to your customer and how much energy and effort is required to continue to grow that relationship. It never stops. And the reality is, yeah, you may like in that case that he used, well, you may only sell a car every five years, but that guy would actually talk to his customer every six months. And because of that, he never worked uh, on the floor. He never had to do what all the other sales guys were doing because there was this continual ebb and flow of opportunity that flowed to him because he had spent his heavy lifting building relationships with those customers. And it wasn't just return customers that came back. It was everybody the return customer was talking to that said, hey, look, this is the guy you need to go buy your Cadillac from. And so that that left an impression on me. And I, I'm proof, living proof of that uh, philosophy really coming to fruition. I mean, I have people that I never in a million years would have ever expected to become customers who became friends, who became great supporters, who have become customers again, and who, you know, have followed me through these twists and turns my career has taken. And at every juncture, they want to try and find a way to contribute or add value. And uh, that's, that's one of the most rewarding experiences you can have as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Um... Well, wow, that's been powerful. I hope we can. Uh, what, what other message would you have for young entrepreneurs out there? If you were to go, if you were to say you could go back in time and uh, change something from 20 years ago or tell your younger self something, what would that be? Uh, do it anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I missed a lot of key opportunities. I tell people this a lot uh, in my trainings and when I'm coaching is that the right connections show up in your life at exactly the time that they're supposed to. But right now, especially right now, people are too distracted with these devices, right? You know, we don't often look up and look out in order to embrace those opportunities when they happen. And we miss a lot of great opportunities because we're not prepared for them. 
So what I would say is, you know, my, my fear and my shyness and, you know, being introverted, uh, I use that as a crutch for a very long time. And I would uh, uh, be reluctant to go participate in various organized activities, networking events, different, uh, different environments where I felt like I was unequal to the people that were attending. And the reality is that that when you have that kind of attitude, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You're sticking yourself in a box. I would tell myself, a younger version of myself, do it anyway. Go out there and make connections. You have something of value to share. People want to get to know you. People will benefit from knowing you and do it anyway. And so I would, I would share that to myself 20 years ago, um, you know, the 20, year, uh, 20 years ago version of myself. And for people that are out there now that are doing it, Remember, you know, there are no electronic devices on the planet that actually help you build relationships. That connecting is a contact sport, which means there's no replacement for face-to-face conversation. There's no replacement for paying attention and listening to what's important to other people. There is no um, tweet. There's no instant message, Slack message, or, you know, text message that's going to really help you understand what somebody needs. That only comes with conversation. When you invest the time to get to know people, when you're, when you do that, not believe it or not, in today's world, you'll set yourself apart, you'll become memorable, and people will become intrigued with who you are and what your message is, no matter what your product or service is, they want to know who you are at your core. And when you can do that, you will not only find that you will build a great network, but you'll build a network of people that are committed to your success and want to help contribute in any way they can to uh, your success ongoing because you're willing to contribute to theirs. And you have to step up to the plate and do it first. And you have to be willing to realize that nothing comes quickly. These are long-term investments. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time and focus. But when you do it and you do it right, you'll build a network that will have everybody else envious of the kind of people that you have brought into your personal and your professional life. Wow, that sounds like a powerful idea to to actually work on. and no matter what age you are, it's not too late to get started. That's right. So, uh, that's that's powerful. Do you, have a, do you have a copy of that book you wrote nearby? You can pull it up to the screen and show us uh, what yeah. it looks like. There you go. There you go. See if we can get yeah, lights on here. They're a little bright, but that's what it looks like. Ripple Effect. If you just look for the Ripple Effect third edition, you'll be able to find it. Wonderful. Yeah, we've got to go get that now, guys. If you're watching, go to ripplecentral.com to uh, order the book directly from Steve Harper. Thanks again, Steve Harper, for being on our show. And we look forward to our next opportunity to uh, ripple together. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marketing Booth Solutions Podcast with your hosts, Captain Marco Torres and my buddy co-host, Christian D. Evans. Now it's on you. Take the next step now. Go to marketingboothsolutions.com for more on how you can wow, delight, and surprise your clients with the most amazing draw card on the planet. So stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty for knowledge. See you next time.